This evening we are looking at uh, 1 John chapter 2 verses 7 through to 11 because that's on whole section. Let me read to you from the NIV and then we will do the verse by verse study. Verse 7 says, Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command but an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. The King James starts this verse by saying, Beloved, beloved. Okay, Beloved is a very interesting word. You know? The Greek word is agapetos. Remember agape, the very love of God. And this word is exclusively used you know, for the relationship that as Christians we share with God and with one another. So he's writing to believers over here. And he's saying, Beloved, I'm not writing to you any new commandment. Okay, it's an old one. And then in the next verse, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. So let's look at what this old new commandment is all about. Okay, so far he has spoken of and said, one of the signs by which we know that we really belong to him is if we keep the commandments, if we keep the commandments. Now he's coming up and saying, not commandments now, he's specifying commandment. Okay, now that's the difference that he comes across. He says, so far I've spoken from a general perspective to say, how do you know you're a believer? If you're a believer, you're keeping God's commandments. And now he's going to explain one particular commandment to highlight what it means to keep his commandments. So he's saying over here, this is not really a new commandment. Okay, It is not really a new commandment. It is actually an old commandment. Okay, So when you're speaking about you know, these two things, and you know, it's not a new, it's an old, and then in the next very verse, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. We must ask ourselves, what is this all about? What is this new commandment that he is speaking about? The new commandment is primarily, if you notice, Jesus himself spoke about this new commandment. In John chapter 13 and verse 34, where he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Okay, so this is the new commandment that he is speaking about. So when he initially spoke about, you know, this commandment has been there right from the very beginning. He's saying, hey, Jesus also has spoken about it. It has been there right from the very beginning in terms of Cain and Abel. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. You are responsible for your brother. So this commandment to love your neighbor, love your brother has been there right from the very, very beginning. But then he explains further and says, hey, this is a, a new commandment that I'm giving to you. The same new commandment which was in Christ 
and which is now in you. And how was it in Christ where he speaks about it and says, you know, this is what Jesus has said, John chapter 13 and verse 34. Also in John chapter 15 and verse 12, remember John's gospel written by John himself, John 15 and verse 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. So the new part of it, the word that is used there for new, by the way, it is not from the chronological time factor, but from the quality factor. The quality factor is primarily this. Now, God is calling us to love one another as I have loved you, as I have loved you. Now, to love like Jesus means to love sacrificially, to love selflessly, and to love even until death. And that's the new commandment. If you notice, you know, Paul writing to the Ephesian church in chapter 5 and verse 25, commanded husbands to love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So this is a new commandment. It's a commandment that God gives to us. So when you say it's a commandment, it is not an option. So John here is speaking about it and saying, hey, if you want to check up if you really belong to him, check it out on this example. Do you really love one another? Now, a question would arise, how can we as fallen individuals, as sinners, love like Jesus? How can we do that? Is it possible? Now, we must always remember when the Bible gives us a command, you know, it also means that it is possible, okay? That should be the first thing that we must get into our heads. Otherwise, we will say, hey, this is not possible, so we don't think further. But when the Bible says this is a command, it means that it is possible. So how is this possible? <laughs> okay, couple of important things. You know? It is possible when we are born again of His Spirit. It is possible when we are born again of His Spirit. The Bible tells us that the Spirit of God has shed His love abroad or into our hearts. So, how is it possible to love one another the same way that Christ loved the church? You know, it is possible because the Spirit of God has been given to us. And if you notice, the fruit of the Spirit is love, isn't it? So, the Scripture gives us the solution, if you were to say, of how we can really love the same way like Jesus loved. Someone has put it across this way, that the cross points in four directions to show what the love of Jesus is. Four directions. Wide enough to include every human being, long enough to last through all eternity, deep enough to reach the most guilty sinner, and high enough to take us to heaven. Wide enough to include everyone, long enough to last for all eternity, deep enough to reach the most guilty sinner and high enough to take us to heaven. And this is a new type of love, a love that the world has never really known. Okay? And later on in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 14, John writes and says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. So that is what he is getting across. The thought that he is getting across is this is a proof. This is a confirmatory thing to know 
that we have actually been born again, that actually we belong to him. How? If we love the brethren. This is a test to know that we are really saved. Okay. So if you notice in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, the previous verse, he said, the one who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk in the same manner as he walked. And now from verse 7 to 11, he is giving us this specific, how did Jesus walk in love? Now the example again, John chapter 13, the night that he was betrayed, what did he do? Now, did he think about himself? Did he think about others? John chapter 13 speaks about how the night that he was betrayed, he took the basin of water, wrapped a towel around his waist and washed the feet of his disciples. And in John chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, he said, If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. How do we love one another? Jesus has set the example for us. Now, this is not speaking about a ceremonial foot washing, you know. If you notice the last week, Thursday, the, what is traditionally called Monday, Thursday, some people, some churches also practice this foot washing. It's a ceremonial foot washing. Your foot is already clean and then you wash it again in order to say, I'm you know, very humble to wash the feet of somebody else. But no, that is not the aspect that Jesus is saying. Jesus is not saying, I've set you an example, you know, so you should also wash one another's feet in terms of that literal aspect, but to serve one another, to serve one another. And that is what Jesus mentioned later on also in the same chapter. In verses 34 and 35, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay. Now, the same truths that Jesus spoke of in John chapter 13, John is reiterating it here in these particular verses. Now, this could also have been a play, if you were to say, on this new. Okay, Remember that John is writing this to caution against the heretics who had come up with you know, their new thinking, their new truths, you know, their secret information, you know, their Gnostic philosophy. John was saying, hey, look here, be careful, you know, nothing new. This is still the same old thing, but this is in a new quality. You know, this is what the essence of what it is really all about. So he's saying that the old commandment is the new commandment which Jesus gave us. And putting it in simple terminology, it would be loving one another is an essential mark of a true Christian. Loving one another is an essential mark of the true Christian. And when we do this, then our light is going to shine and the darkness is going to go away. That's what he's emphasizing over here. Because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, okay, this is possible. This is the new thing okay the question we must ask ourselves even this evening is when the light comes the darkness has to flee 
If we say we belong to him, then the old has to go. Okay. The question would be, is darkness passing away? Are you able to love one another? You know, is there a progress in that? How far have you come in loving one another the same way that Jesus has loved us? And have you even begun in that? The question would be, what is my attitude toward my fellow brother and sister in Christ? Okay, That's a question we must definitely ask ourselves this evening. Because he says the darkness is passing. The darkness is passing. God is expecting us to shine as lights in this world so that the darkness would be taken away. Charles Spurgeon puts it across this way and says, I would not give much for your religion unless it can be seen. Lamps do not talk, but they do shine. Lamps do not talk, but they do shine. Another preacher, Alistair Begg, said, if you can't shine, at least twinkle, at least twinkle. That should be that. That shine should be that. That twinkling should be that. We are living in a dark world, and that little light you know, has to be different, and that is what is going to light up the world. The word that is used there for shine again is a very interesting word. Okay? It's a word that you know, means to appear to bring to light, okay? So, to expose, okay? Now, when you're thinking about this word, to bring to light, the scripture speaks about how men love darkness rather than light, lest their deeds be exposed, let it come to light. So, as Christians, our lifestyle has to be such so that the deeds of the pagan world would be exposed. Also, the interesting fact about this word you know, that is used there for shine in Greek is the word phaino, from which we get our English word phenomenon, phenomenon. When you're speaking about phenomena, you are speaking about some unusual appearance, isn't it? So that is what John is emphasizing here. You and I are supposed to be phenomenal individuals making this unusual impact upon this world. Also, this Greek word is the source of our English word epiphany, which describes a manifestation of a divine being. So, these are the two aspects of this angle of shining. Shining is speaking about exposing the darkness. Shining is speaking about a manifestation of you know, who God is in our lives to the world around us, so that we become a phenomena, we become an unusual experience and you know, exposure you know, to the world around us. Ask ourselves, is this a sign that we belong to Christ? If you notice the early church, the emphasis was see how they love one another. The non-Christian world around recognized that they belong to one another, you know, because they belong to Jesus, and that is what the world is really looking for. And when they see that happening, they will say, hey, this is some phenomena. This is a new phenomena. This is a manifestation of God himself. No man can love like this. You know why? Because it is God's love that is poured into our hearts. Then in verse 9, he says, the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. 
the one who hates his brother. Now remember, this is when he is speaking about loving one another, he is speaking about loving one another in the fellowship primarily. Okay, that's the first stage. He is not speaking about love for the lost world over here. He is speaking about among yourselves. The word that is used there in Greek for, you know, brother is the Greek word adelphos. That's also an interesting word. It means coming from the same womb, coming from the same womb. We are the, the same family. So that is what he is saying. If you say you belong to Christ, you belong to the same family. And if you belong to the same family, how can you hate someone else who is in the same family? Something is wrong with you if you are hating someone else who belongs to the same family. So he says, that is why the one who says he is in the light and yet hates his brother is in the darkness until now. Is in the darkness until now. He is not saying that you are walking in darkness. He is not saying if you say you are a Christian and you are not doing this, you are actually doing you know, uh, the wrong thing, you need to change. No, no, he is saying that you are not a Christian at all. If this is not your lifestyle, you are still in darkness. You are still in darkness, even until now. Notice he does not say that you may be a real Christian who has fallen into darkness, but he says if you hate your brother, you are in darkness even until now. You have not really moved out from that position. Strong word he uses. If you hate your brother. If you hate your brother. Maybe some people may say, hey, hate is a very strong word. You know, I may not love that person, but I would definitely not say that I, and I, I, I hate that individual. But John doesn't mince words over here. He says either you love the person, which requires sacrificing yourself for that person's highest good, as Jesus did for us on the cross, or you hate him. Okay? There's no middle ground between that. There's no middle ground between that. And that's a strong statement, you know, that you know, we must examine our lives to check up. There's been so much apathy in the Christian world today, so as a result, you know, the church is no longer that you know, vibrant body of loving one another. It has become more of an institution where you can come and go. There's no relationship one between the other. But here John says, if we really are a believer, then there must be that caring, sharing, you know, sacrificial love for one another, which the outside world will also be able to notice. That's what he emphasizes in verse 10. He says, the one who loves his brother abides in the light and there's no cause for stumbling in him. There's no cause for stumbling in him. In other words, you know, when he looks at your life, he doesn't stumble and says, this is what Christianity is all about. I want to have nothing to do with it. Okay. Neither do you stumble in your faith and wonder what has happened to you. You don't fall into that trap of thinking, you know, you can not love your brother, but you can only love God. That is perfectly okay. No, no, that's a trap. Be careful. You don't stumble into that trap. It's interesting, again, the Greek word that is used there for stumbling is the word scandalon which is basically used for a trap for animals, you know. Maybe like, you know, a, a big trap where, you know, 
there's a hole that is dug and leaves are put on top of it and you know, somebody, you know, the animal just falls into that pit, not recognizing what it is. Or it could also be, you know, like the small rat traps that we would have, where you put some cheese or food and the rat enters and the thing snaps shut. That is the trap, you know. Or even when you're thinking about this, you know, word scandal on, we also speak about the English word scandal, isn't it, you know. So here the truth is, if a person is walking in the light, then his life is not a scandal. People are not pointing to the church and say, look at the corruption that's happening. Look at the scandals that are happening in the church. Look at this individual, what he has done. No, they are not pointing fingers. They are not stumbling over what is you know, the, the wrong that is happening, but they are being motivated to follow after God because they see the love that is expressed one with the other. That is the prime aspect that his sinner mentioned. Remember, the church, the early church, you know, was vibrant and growing, leaps and bounds. As the scripture says, the Lord added daily to the church those who were being saved, primarily because they saw Christ in them. They saw the love of God in them. If you notice, the scripture speaks about if there was any that was needy, you know, they pitched in together and the people saw it. The people saw it. As somebody has said, remember, you may be the only Bible many people will ever read. We must not just speak the gospel, but live out the gospel before this highly skeptical lost world. Because this is what will really transform the society around us. The story is told of a man who was dying and something was bothering him. And he told them at last what it was. He said, when I was a lad, when I was a young boy, there was this intersection on the road and there was this signpost, you know. And one day I decided to just have some fun and I turned the signpost around, okay, pointing it in the wrong direction. And he says, all along, all these years, I've been wondering ever since how many travelers I've sent on the wrong road. How many travelers I've sent on the wrong road. And this evening, that's what we must ask ourselves. Over the years that we have come to know Christ, have we sent individuals on the wrong road? Or looking at our lives, have they been motivated to come follow after Jesus? Finally, verse 11 says, But the one who hates his brother is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He is living in ignorance. You know? He thinks he is a Christian. He thinks he is walking in the light. But ignorance is not bliss, isn't it? It's high time that he or she opens their eyes and see where they are going, where they are going. Remember, the early Christians were known as followers of the way. They knew where they were going because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they knew where they were going. They knew where, where they were headed. Their lifestyle had meaning and purpose, and the non-Christian world around them saw that, saw that. So John is saying over here, the one who is not a practicing Christian in terms of not showing love to his brother, is walking in the darkness, is living in the darkness, because darkness has blinded his eyes. Now remember Jesus told Thomas, you know, and said, 
you know the way that I'm going? And Thomas says, no, I don't know. How do we know where you're going? You know? And then that's where Jesus responded and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The world, I believe, is still looking for people who will be able to point them in the right direction. If we have understood what Christ has done for us on the cross, responded to him, and we are following in the right way, we must check up. Are we on the narrow way or on the broad way? And John this evening has given us this specific uh, example to check up. Where are we pointing people to? Do they see the love of Christ in us? Love for them? Love for one another? Is that what they see? Are we living that selfless life? Giving life that Jesus exhibited? Which he said... It's not really a new commandment, it's an old commandment, but the new commandment he said is, even as I have loved you. Remember, this is not an option. This is the sign by which we know that we really belong to him. And my prayer this evening that as God has spoken to our hearts, we will check up to make sure to confirm the fact that if God's love is shed abroad in our hearts, then this is his expectation, it is possible it is not an option. Let's be willing to allow God to do his work in our lives so that through our lives, other lives will be touched as well. And we will become signposts for the Lord to use us to bring people to himself. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for your word to us, for enabling us to understand what it means to know you, to follow after you, to make sure that we really belong to you. And you have given us this clear-cut, specific command that you are asking us, you have called us to love one another the same way as you have loved us. Because this is the sign that we really belong to you because your life is living in us. Be with us this week, Lord. Continue to work in and through our lives and make our lives as pointers towards you. Let our light shine forth so that the darkness will be expelled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.